good? I'm good. Wow. Um, pretty much everything I was going to share today was covered in testimony, so I think I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That was that was excellent. Um, I don't even know where to start. I was asked to talk um, on the cross and forgiveness. I love the cross. I love forgiveness. I'm just going to jump into what we just read um, during the readings, Romans 6, 1 through 14. What shall I say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How many of us believe that we have died to sin? That's kind of my question going in today. You don't have to put your hands up. It's fine. It's something I struggled with for years and years and years as, as a young Christian is, is reconciling the fact that I says that I'm dead to sin, but yet I find myself sinning and I find myself like Paul, where Paul says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. That the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The things that I, that I want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in this area and it's, it's not me, but it's sin within me. And there's two natures that are at war with one another. There's the spirit and there's the flesh. And they wage war against one another. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Skip down to verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Our old self was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Now jump down to verse 10. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not, I love that, let not, you have an option. This, this is a defining moment. Let not. I have a choice to let sin rule in my mortal body or I have a choice to say no. I'm dead to sin. Ooh, loose cords. How long does this water, by the way? Is that new every Sunday? Is it? It's always the same, it's always the same cup, so I'm never sure if I should drink from it or not. I'm going to be brave. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. As I walk out the call of God in my life, as I walk out the journey 
and the phenomenal privilege it is to, to walk hand in hand with the Father. I have options. I have choices. When I came to the cross, when you came to the cross of Christ, when we give our lives, I know I've talked before about the difference between giving our heart and giving our life. And I use an analogy of, of my wife, Heather, who's currently in Colorado. And we'll use that example since she's in Colorado. If I give her my heart, but I don't give her my life, and we stay, me here and her in Colorado, I'm still married. But what kind of a marriage is it going to be? If I just converse through texting and emails, right? So she can have, I can say, you have my heart, but I want to give her my life. I want to be where she is. I want to be with her. I want to spend time with her. It's, it's the best part of my day when I come home from work and I get to spend time with my wife. She's phenomenal. I love her. I'm crazy about her. So I don't just give her my heart. I give her my life. And so when we come to the cross and we give Jesus, we say, Jesus, here's my life. This is my everything. I give you my past, my present, my future, my mindsets my emotions, my will, my desires, my goals, everything that encompasses what I am and who I am and who I want to be, I lay at your feet. And in turn, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his righteousness. We are no longer slaves to sin. You are now called righteous. And the reason I'm talking about this is, um, I'll use a running analogy how many of you guys run races and marathons and stuff like that? <laughs> two? <laughs> two, <laughs> two people? <laughs> okay. How many of you have actually watched a movie with a marathon or a race in it? <laughs> okay, that's better. All right. <laughs> that's okay. I don't run much either, so unless I'm being chased, but that's good. Um, so in if, if you compare, I know we have multiple crosses all over the place. we got one there, one up there. Woo, don't go near the monitor or the speaker. All right. Here's our little makeshift cross. Okay. Please stay. All right. We'll stand you there. You going to stay? It's going to stay. Okay, good. When I come to the cross and I give Christ my life and I say, Jesus you're my everything, and I give you my everything. It's like a race. This is not the end of the race. This is where you go and you pay your fee to enter the marathon. You put your penny on. You're doing your stretches. This is the start of the race. Now, could you imagine you have this big, I know it's a big race. Is the one in San Francisco or something? It's this massive marathons or whatever where you have like hundreds of thousands of people or whatever, tens of thousands of people or however many thousands of people, whatever. There's a lot of people. And um, you have all these guys who are starting the race and then the, the gun goes off and the guys go and everybody just sits down. Pulls up the barbecue, starts frying some stuff up, has a big tailgate party at the beginning of the race. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> but so often we do that as Christians. We've come to Jesus. I give him our everything. And we sit down and we hang out here. And this is a safe place. This is a good place to be. I love the cross. 
We have to go through the cross. But the cross is not the end of the race. The cross is the beginning. It is the starting line. This is the gateway through which we run. And God says, go. And as you go, I got time. And as you go, do these things. Now I can sit here and as people come along, I can pray for people and I can do stuff while I sit at the beginning of the race. But God says, Michael, go. But I'm comfortable here. I really like the cross. And I really like all these other people. We get to hang out. We get to talk. We get to fellowship. We get to barbecue. We get to eat. It's good times. I got my penny. I paid my fee. I'm in. Awesome. But if I never actually get up and go and run, the destiny that God has put inside of me, the calling that God has put inside of me, the anointing that God has put inside of me, that he's put inside each one of you, will never make it past the starting line. And one day we stand before an almighty God and we give account. And that honestly, that, that terrifies me in a good way and a bad way. Because I want to be faithful to what I've been given. We have to be faithful to what we've been given. This is the beginning. Not the end. The end is the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's eternity. Eternity with Jesus, the wedding supper of the Lamb, being groomed and running the race for the purpose of intimacy. And as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So some of the blockages some of the things that we run into. Like, why do people linger? Identity. It's a huge one. Who we are in Christ. Do we believe the words in these pages that make declaration of who you are? Unequivocally, unashamedly, for I would give my life that without any reservation or any doubt, this is absolute foundational truth that who he says I am in him because of him is true. We pray for people to get healed. The Bible says to pray for people to get healed. But do I really believe that people are going to get healed? Do I believe that God actually heals today? What I'm doing is I want, I want us to look at the cross and forgiveness because when we come to the cross, we receive forgiveness. And our sin is like a backpack that you're wearing and you've carried it around all your life. Now Jesus doesn't say keep on running with your backpack. It says that he's taken that and he has crucified that sin. Past, present, past, present, future. You are no longer slaves to sin. And so often, so many of us, won't move past this point because I'm not worthy to. Who am I? That I can, I can go past this point. I walk in sin. I screw up. I lie, I cheat, I steal, I've murdered. It says in the Word that if you hate your brother, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder. I'm guilty of that. So how can I, who 
and a sinful person move past this point? Can I? Because I'm no longer under my sin and I'm no longer marked by my sin. I'm now the righteousness of Christ. And he's told me to go and I go because I am the righteousness of Christ. And it's controversial to say that I no longer sin or that you no longer sin. That's what it actually says in the Word. In 1 John, I have all these notes and stuff like that and I kind of am terrible with notes. I write them down and I never read them. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to try and read them. Actually, I'm just going to jump to 1 John. Okay. I love this. Oh my goodness, books. Oh. So I'm going to read 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him who proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from most of our sin. Thank you from all sin. I'm going to go to 1 John 3. Start in verse 6. No, start in verse 5. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. I'm going to jump to verse 9. Actually, go to verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. This is just like... (coughs) I'm free, man. I am totally free. I am no longer yoked or chained to sin. I have to get this. Verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot, cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. When I came to this place, when I came to this place, I died. You died. You were dead. All of you were dead. I'm dead. We're dead. We're dead to sin, alive to Christ. I received a brand new DNA. You received a brand new DNA. There's a transformation that happens at that cross. When we walk through, not hang out at. But when we walk through that door, Jesus says, I am the gate. Right? Who's the gate? It's so quiet in here. I'm hearing crickets. <laughs> Maybe it's the tinnitus in my ear. Right? Maybe that's what it is. Jesus is the gate. When we walk through that gate, you are a brand new creation. You have a brand new DNA. 
no longer slaves to sin, free men, free women. This is good news, guys. This is phenomenal news. My challenge for each person, if we're hanging out here, this is a beautiful place, but it's not what you're called to. You're called to go. You are called to represent, to represent Jesus everywhere you are. You are called to be salt and light. You are called to walk in the nature of your Father. And if your Father says that you have new DNA and that you are no longer slaves to sin and that you cannot sin because His seed abides in you, now does that mean I don't screw up and I don't mess up? Absolutely, sure I do. But guess what? You keep really short accounts. I screwed up. Oh, I stepped in it. Father, forgive me in Jesus' name. I'm righteous. I'm always righteous. And I'm set free. And I don't have to linger in the puddle that I'm standing in because I'm free. Jesus paid for this puddle already. It's done. It's finished. He said, it is finished. He took my sin, nailed it to the cross, took it to hell, stomped on it a whole bunch, and left it there. Each one of you is free. If we walk in unforgiveness, if we harbor bitterness or envy or, or, or factions or any of these things in our hearts. We don't have to linger there. These things may come, but Romans 6. Password. Romans 6. Let not sin reign. Say it with me. Let not sin reign. We have a choice. I don't know if I shared this before or not. I won't share the whole thing. Many years ago, I had a, a struggle. I always have struggles. <laughs> this was a specific struggle where I'm struggling and I'm... There was. It's like... The only way I can explain it is was three of me. Bear with me. Sounds weird. There's my spirit my flesh, and then the me who's watching my spirit and my flesh battle. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced this before. As a young person, I remember sitting in blatant disobedience while sinning and hating the fact that my spirit man is worshiping Jesus. Because I could feel it. I could feel the presence of God inside of me burning for holiness, burning for purity, burning for the fullness of what this is and who he says that I am. Meanwhile, I'm sinning and there's like a third of me watching, going, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Listen to Jesus and you. so long. I felt so much guilt and so much condemnation. I couldn't move past this point. Because I'm a wretch. I'm a horrible person. And I keep on screwing up and I keep on sinning. I couldn't move past that place. But then I read the Bible and God says, go. Move past this place. You weren't called to live here. You weren't created to die here. 
You were created for so much more than this. Go. But I couldn't. Oh my God, I'm a wretched man. I'm filthy, I'm unclean. I love dreaming. It's so beautiful. And I had a dream. And in this dream, I'm walking along this path, and it's a narrow path, probably no wider than the stage. And on either side are these big dips, and they were deep. And I know I've told you this before, and I'm sure I've told you guys this before, but it doesn't matter. And they were filled with everything you could think of, excrement and bile and filthiness and those big knotted hairballs you get out of your sink and all that horrible, wicked stuff. And it looked just detestable, and it stunk, and it was on either side of this path. And this path was treacherous and hard. It was tipping and turning, and it was like, oh man, it was brutal. There's big stones and, and dips and holes and potholes and loose gravel, and I remember slipping and falling and tripping, and I kept stumbling on these stones because I'm kind of trying to walk ahead, and I keep tripping on these things. And as I'm falling, I kept seeing people off to the side, and I could see people in this stuff. I could see an arm and a leg and a person's torso and on either side and all these people who have gone before who were on these edges. And I remember falling once and I almost fell off the edge and I caught myself and I fell a second time and I almost went off the edge and I'm hanging on. I'm going to clean this. And a third time, excuse me a second. You guys don't want to hear me blow my nose. The third time I fell, and I fell right off the edge. And this is me in my sin as a Christian. I remember laying there, covered in this stench of sin. And as I laid there, I saw all these other people all around me laying in there. And I'm like, God, I don't want to be here. Why doesn't anybody get out? And then there's this demonic figure in front of me holding a mirror. And accusation and condemnation and blame. Look at who you are. You call yourself a Christian. Look at what you've done. How can you say you love Jesus? And I sank deeper and deeper and deeper. And despair and hopelessness, and I started to drown. How can I move past? this point and go when I'm stuck in this stench and then in an instant like Peter with Jesus on the water where he looks at the winds and the waves and he sinks and he says Lord save me and Jesus is there that was terrible I'm always bad at that and he saves him he reaches down and instantly they're in the boat and in an instant Jesus is there Demon's gone. Accusation is gone. Condemnation is gone. He holds a mirror to me. And he says, This is who you are. It is a pure and spotless bride because I have called you righteous. Get up and go. And I climbed out and I kept going. Each one of you, I don't even know, this wasn't even what I was going to talk about. This is like totally rabbit trail. <laughs> Each one of you is called righteous. We are never meant 
have a tailgate party here. This is not what it's about. This is a gate. This is the door. You are called righteousness. Identity sets you free. You are sons and daughters of the living God. He has called you his seed. He has given you his seed. We have to understand. We have to get from reading, yeah, okay, I get that, to actually believing and walking it out. You have a new DNA. You are your father's sons. You are your father's daughters. I am my father's son. I look like, I smell like, I sound like. I need to represent my father everywhere I go. It's what we're called to. Something I've been talking to the youth a lot about. Um, There's a passage of scripture in Matthew where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. I love it. And he's saying that I know that my father is with me. And it's the picture of Jesus with the disciples in the boat when there's a storm. And he's napping. Why? Because he's got peace. He's got his father's DNA. He walks in the fullness of peace. He is outside of his circumstances. As Christians, that's available to us. What he has, we shall be. And we're actually called to walk in today. So here's the disciples. They're all like, ah! Jesus is like, and they're like, Lord, don't you care? We're going to die. And he's like, come on, guys. Where's your faith? Peace be still to the storm. He gives peace. He speaks peace because he walks in peace. He carries peace. The same picture. Disciples and Jesus in the boat. Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says, I know that my Father is always with me. Why? He never leaves me. Why? Because I only do the things that please him. I only do the things that please my father. When each one of us came to this wonderful thing, and really it's not a wonderful thing, this is a painful, horrible thing. It's a place of wicked evil and horrendous agony and pain. When each one of us came to this place, we died here. We are supposed to die here. We actually signed a contract with your heart, with your mouth, that says, I will only do the things that please my Father. But so often I find that I'm like, well, I like my little private sin over here. I'm just going to sit here in my corner and just stroke my sin and just hold on to this and call it George and, I don't know, give it a pet name and treat it really nicely. And I compartmentalize my relationship with Jesus. So here's God over here. I love God. And here's my Sundays. And I spend time with Jesus. And I, you know, I do a Wednesday thing. I do a Sunday thing. And I love God. But the rest of the week, I'm over here. And here's my friends and my family. And here's my work. And here's my entertainment. This is my pet sin. Oh, okay, I need to come back to over here. Spend some time with God. Come over here. 
That's not the contract we signed. It's not the contract you signed. It's not what I signed up for. I signed up for everything fits into this. Everything goes through this. Everything gets filtered through this. Entertainment, the things I put in my eyes, the things I put in my ears, my gates, and the things I eat from, the table I sit at, the friends I sit with, the things I say, the things I believe in my spirit, all have to be filtered through this. Which means I have to believe this. And if I believe this, then I can say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me because I'm dead. And if I'm dead, then I don't sin anymore. And if I do screw up, then as a short account, there's no condemnation. I get back up, I say, hallelujah, Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. And I get out and I go. And it's what we're called to. The cross is not a tailgate party. It's the starting gate. I got lots of time. Good. <laughs> I'm going to share a story. A number of years ago, well, a number of number of years ago, I was in Fiji, and I was with YWAM um, on outreach. And they have this policy in YWAM, and it's a good policy, but at the same time, it becomes a horrible burden. And there's no SRs. Do you guys know what SRs are? Any YWAM people here who know what an SR is? Special relationships. SRs, like the big red, no SRs. So really, you can't be good friends with the opposite sex because it's an SR. And it's illegal, and you are doomed to torment if you have an SR. And I happened to be really good friends with this one young girl, and we went to the same place. We went to Fiji. Now, there were two guys, not including the male leader, so three in total. Myself, another guy, and the male leader. The rest were females. And my one friend was in this group. Nothing going on. Nothing weird. Nothing odd. Just friends. But the leadership was so terrified of an SR that they would like they talk to me, they talk to her, they talk to me, and they put fear in her to the point where she wouldn't even talk to me. And it got so bad over three months that I actually spent most of those three months by myself because I was completely ostracized. Because she hung out with all the girls and she wouldn't even talk to me. And it, you know how it spreads, things spread like gangrene, it just spreads. The male leader and the other guy, they go off golfing. They both had money, so they go off golfing. They, hey, it's Fiji, let's go golfing, let's do stuff. So here's me on my own in Fiji. And I remember being broken. I'm like, God, what the heck, man? Why am I here? And I'm like, well, I know why I'm here. Because I'm dead and I need to meet you. I want more of you. I'm here to go. And so I spent, now I, we were three and a half, almost four hours outside of Nandi, if anybody knows where Fiji is, right on the coast. Excuse me. And crying isn't good for me. It makes me sniffle. Right on the coast. Amazing, phenomenal place. Beautiful. But the nearest anything was like an hour and a half walk. And it was like a little shack where they sold like, sold like I don't know, all sorts of gross, moldy things. It was weird. Anyways, <laughs> everything you ate was straight off the tree or straight out of the ocean. It was beautiful. I'd, I'd like to retire there. Anyway, so here's me on my own in Fiji for, well, with people on my own. 
And I went out into the bush and I built this beautiful cross. And I remember being so grieved and so hurt and so tormented by these... It got, it got bad. You guys know this. People, people can say some stupid things and it gets really bad. Some of the accusations and some of the things that were coming out of people's mouths were just so hurtful and so grievous. And I spent so much time, I spent most of my time there. If I wasn't out preaching, if I wasn't out walking to nearby villages and praying for sick people and praying for cows and praying for crops and praying for rain, I was at the cross and reading this. I just devoured this thing when I was there. It was beautiful. One of the things I did at the cross was I was, I was angry. It was so hard. I was like, God, I'm so angry. I take my anger and I write down a piece of paper and I nail it to the cross. And by the time I, those months were done, man, you couldn't even see the cross anymore. It's just all paper. Just paper everywhere. <laughs> and it was all about the cross. It was all about Jesus. It was all about forgiveness. It was all about this battle between my spirit and my flesh, my spirit and my flesh, and forgiveness of sin, and walking in newness of life, walking in righteousness. And one day I'm walking to where I have this cross up in the forest, and I'm walking through a field. Oh, man. Okay. I'll move that over there. This is so beautiful to me. I was walking through a field. And anybody from Saskatchewan? Right? Grain, one person, two people? (laughs) Wow, okay. You know the grain fields, the gold? Right? It's like that. It's just grass. It's like waist high, almost chest high, just golden grass. And I remember walking through the grass. And as I'm walking through the grass, I'm just praising God and I'm worshiping and I'm just spirit of gratitude. Jesus, I love you. I want more of your presence, God. This time sucks, but it's so good because you're here and I'm growing so much. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And as I'm praying and as I'm worshiping, and I'm just walking through the field. My hands are out, running my hands through the grass. And all of a sudden, I can smell dust. And I can smell blood. And I can feel this heat and this breeze. And I remember opening my eyes and I am no longer in a field of tall golden grass. I'm standing at the cross. This is one of my first open visions. And as Paul says, whether I was there in flesh or spirit, I don't know. Honestly, it was so real. Everything was engaged. Every sense. I could feel the heat on my body. I could smell the blood. I could taste the dirt. I could feel the wind. I could see I was there. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I was there. Excuse me. And as I stood there, I'm like, God, what am I doing here? And I see the cross of Christ, and I see Jesus. And I remember just being so broken in that moment. So overwhelmed with just gratitude and fear just because it's such a dark place. But so broken because of what he's going through. And just the fact that I could smell and taste it, it was so real. And I started to hear noise and I could start to feel things shaking and I could see the earth changing and I could see the sky getting dark. 
And as it got darker and darker and darker, I'm just, Jesus. That's all I could say is Jesus. And I'm standing in a field of golden grass. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't napping. I wasn't dreaming. I died at the cross. We, when we come to Jesus, die at the cross. This means that you are no longer legally allowed. You said as a word, I don't know. We no longer have a right to. Hold on to our stuff. Who am I to say that I'm a wretch? Hallelujah, I'm saved by grace, but I'm a wretch. I'm standing in accusation of the word of God. It's an ungodly paradigm. It's an ungodly belief system that would elevate my sin above the word of God that says you have my DNA and you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a free man, a free woman, born of righteousness. So what what keeps us here? Some days I feel trapped here. It's not a bad place to be trapped. But at the same time, it is. Because if I can't get past this point, how am I going to be serving in the kingdom? How do I ever become what the fullness of what Christ has put inside of me? How will I run the race? Paul says, I ran the race. How can I run the race if I never start the race? If I just hang out here? So it becomes a belief system. Do I believe the fullness of this? Well, I am willing to give up everything else that I believe for this truth because it is the only truth that matters. This is life. And in this I died. And I have newness of life. Is this making sense? Do you guys hear where I'm going with this? Let me come on to my first paragraph. I'm going to move on. Ah, man. Whew, okay. I'm going to go to Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to what? To the cross. It's done. Jesus said it's finished for a reason. It's finished, man. It's done. Let it go. Die well. You have a choice. You can die slowly and painfully or you can die well. Slowly and painfully looks like I'm a wretch, I'm a wretch, I'm a wretch. I'm never moving past this point because I'm continually struggling with my sin. Dying well says I am dead 
and I believe you are who you say you are. And if you say that I am free, then I am absolutely free, unequivocally free. And I will declare it and I will walk it out because it becomes my belief and it becomes my truth. Because as we speak, we receive. As we believe in our hearts, it will be done for us. Thus saith the Lord, not Michael. Michael. 